we are continuing on in John. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to, to pull it out. If some of you, you got your phones. Um, and do the Bible on your phone. Go ahead and open your phone up. Um, for those at home, I believe you should have it on your screen. We're in John 8. And then we've been going we've been going through John and we've been talking about a lot of different things in John. One of the things that we've been talking about are some of the messages that you have going through here and the messages that we hear from God and the messages that we hear from other people. And we're gonna as we as we come into John A, this is coming right after this, this story we had, the woman caught in adultery. And we see how, how Christ spoke into her life. Where he, the only one who had the right to condemn her didn't. And and he says, you know what? They, these other guys that were ready to stone you, they don't condemn you, neither do I. He gave you that gift of, of non-condemnation, Lord, and just like took off the, these burdens that were weighing over here. And he said, go and sin no more. And as Scott reiterated last week, that the greatest way to, to keep God's commands is to believe that he still loves you even when you don't. Even when you don't. We're going we're gonna to touch into that a little more. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into, into that today. Um, when we start, I'm just going to go ahead and read our passage. We're in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 12, all the way on down to 38. John chapter 8, verse 12 through 38. i give you guys a minute to pull that up. And I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version today. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, and I am from above. 
you are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he has been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The sun remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And that's where I'm going to stop today. Thank you, Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your truth, Lord, that you speak to us. Your word is truth. God, and we ask that you would just open up our hearts and our minds to understand. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As, as we were reading through that, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but there's a word that kept getting repeated in different forms. Does anyone know what that word was? Truth. Truth. It, and even the accusation of the Pharisees towards Jesus was that they're saying your testimony is not true. And and Jesus says, he says, he's telling why his, his word is true. Even he even says, truly, truly, I say to you, even prefaces his statement saying this is truth. This is truth. And And then, What's interesting, I'm going to focus on one section of this passage here. Verse 31 and 32, he says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they, they had this this kind of problem with that. They're like, we, we have never been a slave to anybody. Why, why are you saying we're going to be set free? 
what are we being set free from? Now, if the truth's going to set you free, what are you a slave to? Lies. Lies. There's, there's lies that are all around us. Everywhere we go, you can turn on your TV, you can listen to music, and there are lies that will get poured into you. And sometimes we just exist in this, this atmosphere that's around us. I, I was amazed. We were out with some folks praying down at the beach yesterday. And we were down at the end of the pier. If you guys have been down there to Loyola Beach, and there's the lighthouse there, and just looking out, you see the skyline of Chicago. But even more amazing, you just look out. And you see out over the lake, and it's just this expanse. And what was really amazing is that, like, you can see like a lot of stars. For being in Chicago, you usually can't see stars, but we could see a ton of stars. I don't know if because there's less lights on because of the, the shutdown. We could see a lot of stars. And we were just sitting there having this, this moment, this moment just enjoying God and his presence. And I just remind him, you are the God who created the universe. You're the God who created just even this lake and, and heaven scripture says that he measures it in the palm of his hand. Just this peace and just being still and knowing that he is God. And while we're sitting there, this guy comes up and he had a boom box in his backpack, blasting music. And you know, he was in the same place as us, but he brought this atmosphere with him. And the music was, was saying things that were just lie after lie, cursing. And, and here you're in this place where you're looking at God's creation and this guy, instead of being able to actually take it in, he had it blocked off by the lies that he had surrounded himself with, that he was numbing himself out with, staying in that world. And isn't that what we do? We, we have these messages that we just, because we don't want to actually, man, if we face reality, it's hard. Man, I, I want to disconnect from reality. If I can just, man, watch enough TV or videos, whatever it might be, or I always have the music going, man, I might actually have to, if I take that away, I'm going to have to be confronted with my own thoughts. And sometimes our thoughts aren't much better. But at least we start engaging with reality. We actually see where our emotions are at. And, and, and what, when we get down to this, there's these lies that are embedded down in us. And they say things like, you're, you're, not, you're not good enough. You're worthless. Whatever it might be that's going through your head, you're a failure. God, God doesn't really love you. And these lies keep us trapped. These lies, and they come in so many different forms, and they keep us enslaved. They keep us enslaved. But Jesus said that if you're truly my disciples, my word abides in you. My word abides in you. Get it? You can hang out with my word, with my truth, and you know the truth, and you know what that truth is going to do? It's going to set you free. It's going to set you free. And we're going to unpack that a little bit, even just how that works here today. I'm going to turn to another passage and go into the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. And if you have your phone or whatever, you can, you can turn with me. Um, 
This is Romans 1, 18 through 25. It says this. Says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah. Now here we, why I read that it spells out a little bit of this connection between what Jesus is getting at. Because you notice what he's saying. He's saying that the truth is going to set you free. Set you free from what? Now I said set you free from lies, but that's actually not what he said in that passage, is it? He says that you're a slave to your sins. You're a slave to your sins. And the reason I read this guy unpacks a little bit where. Where does our sin come from? As we read right here, it says the sin in our life, it comes from the very root of it is believing a lie. Here, what, what Paul is saying in Romans is that God is clearly seen in creation just as we're out on the lake and we look at the stars and we look at just the beauty of his creation. He is clearly perceived. And yet the fool said in his heart, what he says in his heart, there is no God. And, and so they believe a lie. And they decide to worship and serve the creation rather than the creator. We, we decide to serve the things that God might be able to give us rather than God himself. And we say, you know what? The true thing that's going to bring me happiness, if I get enough money, that's going to make me happy. Right? And that's going to get, that, that's a lie. It's getting blasted at you from your TV screen. It's getting blasted at you through your music. This is what's going to bring me fulfillment. This is the purpose of life, that I get enough things. Or maybe that I experience enough pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Right? You think of the slogans that we hear. Have it your way. Like this advertising of companies, it gets right down to it. Man, even you look at the back, if you have an Apple product, I even have an Apple phone. You know what the logo on that is? The apple. The apple. <laughs> it's got a bite out of it. Do you know what apple they're referring to? <laughs> the, the whole point of that was that ultimate, like this, something that's seductive, something that looks desirable. I I want it. I want to get it for myself. And I'm actually going to turn to that passage. Let's go, let's go back there. Let's look at this initial lie that is fed into humanity. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, I'm starting on, on verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Here he is planting this doubt 
and her head. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was the light to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. This is the very first sin in all of humanity. The very first sin in all of humanity. What did it start with? It started with a lie that Eve believed. This lie that really at the heart of it saying, God's holding out on you. God actually doesn't have your best interests in mind, and you can get it for yourself. You can get all this, this man, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. It's the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, down at its heart, and this, this lie that something is going to satisfy me more than God. That I can worship and serve what he has created rather than him. And, and that lie, when it's lodged down in there, that's where our sin comes from. That's where our sin comes from. Because we think, we think God isn't good enough. We think God's holding out. We don't actually, and really at the heart of it, we don't believe God loves us. Right there, you can find, man, I can work it back any any sin issue in my life, and you're like, you can work it back to this idea that God doesn't love you. You're like, well, I believe God loves me, right? I believe God loves me. But not in every part of my mind do I believe he loves me. Or maybe you can say, you can say well, yeah, God loves you. Do you feel like he loves you? There's a disconnect in there. There can be a lie lodged in there. So there's this need for us to abide. To abide in him, to abide in his truth. That we need to abide in the truth. Notice what I find great about this passage in John. He actually doesn't talk about lies at all. Because he's like, we're going to focus on the truth. That's where you need to hang out, is hanging out in the truth. You know, as, as I start reading the beginning of that passage in John 8, John 12, that the Pharisees are, are questioning Jesus, they're questioning his testimony, saying, you're bearing witness about yourself. And, and they're like, well, Jesus starts kind of going in this, this argument of why his testimony is true. Because there's two witnesses, him and his father. And you start thinking from a human standpoint, this doesn't make too much sense. It's like, okay, you're just almost seems circular, but what he's getting at, he is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. They are attacking right there this idea that like Christ's testimony is not true. It's hitting at the very heart of this lie that Satan gives us. It's questioning the gospel. It's questioning the truth of God's love for you. God loves you. That's the truth. How do we know that that is true? 
How do we know that's true? I'm going to go to another passage here. We're going to go to First John. First John. We're going to work away a little bit backwards a little bit. First John chapter five. And first John, I love for this this argument that John gives about how God's love works within us. And and starting with with chapter five, I gotta find my verse there. Give me a second. Five, two through three. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So there's kind of, I'm going to work my way back here. Let's look at this. That's not sinning, keeping God's commands, right? How do you do that? How do you not, how do you keep God's commands and not sin? Well, we're going to work, work back a little bit to what John says before that. In John 4, 19, he says this, says we love because he first loved us. So he says that first off, those who love God keep his commands. And who loves God? How do we love God? He first loved us. He first loved us. You go back a little bit more and it says that, 1 John 4.10 says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation is a big word. Really what we're saying is Christ died for our sins. He paid for us. He bought us. He purchased us. And you get it, we get to know God's love by him dying for us. And when I know that, when I really know that, that creates a love for God in my heart. And as I have that love of God in my heart, that gives me the ability to walk out in holiness and righteousness. Now, if we flip that around, we flip that lie around and we say, God doesn't really love you. God's holding out on you. You got to go. Find all of that for yourself. Look for what the world has to offer you. That right there, that's that's the root, the root of our sins. The root of it. I'm gonna finish this up by by telling a story. And don't you you can close your eyes and picture this. And picture that you are in a prison. Okay? You're in a prison. You're trapped there. It's, it's, it's cold, it's dark, there's mildew, rats running around. But this is where you've been your whole life, is in this prison. Okay. One day along comes a rescuer, and that rescuer unlocks the door. He actually rips the door off. He says to you, hey, see up there on that hill? I got a mansion for you. I got, I got a mansion for you. He leads you up to it. And, and you go up there, you have this, this room that's just decked out. Everything is just, it's just peaceful. It's calm. It's beautiful. And you got this, this window with a view. You didn't have a view before in the prison. But out of that window, in your view, you actually see the prison down there. You see where you came from. And you're living up there for a while. And then for whatever reason, at night, you sneak down to where you used to live. You crawl into that cell and take a nap. You wake up and you're like, oh, wait, where am I at? Why am I here? You see, 
I'm gonna, you can open your eyes to I think think of this analogy here is this is this is like us, this is what it's like for us to go back into our sin. You see, Christ doesn't he doesn't force us out. He just opens the door and says, "This I have a new home for you. You don't have to be there anymore. You don't have to be enslaved to that anymore." And and yet, sometimes we still we walk back down into this nasty, dark place. And and Jesus says, "You don't have to. You don't have to." And you start imagining through why you might even do that. Maybe it's just like it's too good to be true, or or it's just like this is too nice for me, right? Why would that? Why would that guy or you or whoever it is up there in that beautiful mansion leave to go back down to that dark cell with rats running around? Well, maybe it's just like I'm I'm not good enough to be here. Maybe this is a trap. Maybe this is just a trick. And maybe I can actually make it better for me back in that cell. This is what it's like for us when we, when God has given us so much. He says, "I love you." We're like, "I don't know, God. I don't. Can you really love me? That seems too good to be true. You sure you love that guy over there? You love that guy over there, but, but me? Do you know what I've done? And and maybe it's." There, there's this idea like, you know, I, I understand this area over here. I understand this old cell. It's familiar. I know it's rules. I know how things work here. I know maybe I can work my way up in it. But like, this is, this is, I don't know what to do with good things. I think this is that work that God does in our life. This is the work that he's constantly, he's constantly drawing us to himself and come, come hang out with me. And the more we do, the more we know, wait, like, wow, like he sees me as something totally different. He looks at me and he doesn't see this, this bank prisoner that's covered in rags. He, man, he, he takes the rags off. He puts a robe on me and he says, you are my child. You are a son and you are a daughter of the king. He gives us dignity and worth and value and respect. And he keeps calling us back to himself. He says, come and abide in me. Abide in my truth. Abide in my truth. 